0: 12 This day. We are looking at spiritual gifts in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. And I'm in the process of working through all the spiritual gifts. Um, We began with the gifts of men, that there are men who have been given in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. We've also looked at these men as these precious gifts given to God for the strengthening of the saints. We've moved into gifts that strengthen. Um, and we're bouncing back and forth between Romans 12 and, Rome, and 1 Corinthians 12 um, because it is imperative that the Apostle Paul has urged us on that we not be ignorant of spiritual gifts. So we've broken down spiritual gifts that strengthen into two, two sections, two groups. One is the group that you and I know as the speaking gifts And the second is the serving gifts. Yes, I do understand that speaking gift is a serving gift. And all gifts are given for the edification of the saints. They all serve regardless of what the gift is. But I believe um, in the body of Christ today, as with the church in Corinth, there was a tremendous ignorance on what spiritual gifts are. And yet, it's befuddling to me to have the Bible tell me, I don't want you to be ignorant of these and yet, look at the church today. And why is she ignorant of spiritual gifts? Um, in my walk with the king, I have seen it. It goes from one extreme to the other extreme. One extreme over here is, is the experiential people. Uh, and I, I kind of summarize it, that they blame the Holy Spirit for everything. Okay, and then you have over here a group of people who do not want to be categorized with these people. So they don't even talk about the Holy Spirit. And they're all busy doing Jesus stuff. Okay, and if you look at the word of the Lord we're right in the middle of it. I do not use the word charismatic. I love that word. It has been hijacked. I do not give up my Bible words that easy. I am a charismatic Okay, and I am not what you see on TV. Okay, charismatic is a person who rests in grace, and I'm that. All right, and anything short of that is somebody needs to read their Bible. All right, I'm just going to focus. On verse 8, chapter 12 of Romans, then we're asked the Lord to teach us because it's just one little phrase I'm going to deal with this day. Uh, We've looked at exhortation. We've looked at leading. um, We haven't looked at mercy or church and, and a few of these others. But let's just look at this word. You know what? Let's do it better. start at verse 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, and he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with all liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Father, help us to hear, help us to see, help us to understand. Uh, The privilege of being in the church first and foremost. But Father, uh, the overwhelming abilities, the divine enabling that your spirit through your people individually and collectively in the body of Christ have the ability to unite in the oneness that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have. Father, help us. Help us in these dire times. Help us in this age that we exist, that we will walk in the holiness and the power and the majesty of the King of kings and Lord of lords, that we would decrease and that, Father, He would increase in us and all that would be seen is literally Christ among us. To your glory, amen. I want to give you a couple of weeks ago, I gave you six things that I just had just kind of grabbed out of the, my thinking processes and my studies of the Scripture on six things that the Holy Spirit does. And this is not an exhaustive list, but as he brought those six to me, it wasn't that big a deal. I just wrote them down. I shared with him a couple of weeks ago. But as I go through these gifts, the speaking gifts and the serving gifts that are both for the strengthening of the saints, that will make you and I stronger, it was obvious what the Lord was showing me. Okay, these six things I'm going to go through them quickly. Is that when the Spirit of God reigns in a believer? We we were discussing this in our Sunday school class this morning on walking in the Spirit. Walking is just second nature. I'm just walking. I don't think about it. I don't plan or anything like this. So there's six things that if I'm walking in the Spirit, what happens? Okay, and these are noticeable. Okay. It's it's funny how we think that God is a God of stealth. He's just hiding everything. We just don't know. All right. First, holiness. Holiness. If I'm walking in the Spirit, I walk in a place of constant sanctification. Constant sanctification. But not only do I walk in holiness, I will also walk in joy. I will walk in joy, and it will be constant satisfaction. I will always have it, regardless of the stuff that's going on around me. I will have this joy. I will be satisfied. Look at the church in America today and tell me where this is. Okay, see what I'm trying to get at? I mean, yes, we should be about kingdom work, absolutely. But what I see is not satisfaction. Are you satisfied? Because out of that satisfaction will come joy. I will also have a freedom, a freedom, a constant sense of freedom. I'm not in bondage anymore. I'm not in bondage to my flesh. I'm not in bondage to the law. I am free in Christ. I am a new creation. God in me, the hope of glory. God pours His Spirit into me so that everything I see is to His glory. All right, there's a freedom in that that you can't describe. Also, there is uh, confidence. If I walk in the Spirit, I will have confidence. It's a constant security. A constant security. Um, I heard it put, put this way one time. A Christian is immortal. You can't add to your life. You can't take away from your life. I am secure. It is given unto man to die once. I have to get rid of this vessel. There's days, let's be honest, that we would like to get rid of it a little quicker. Okay? It just doesn't function like it used to. Why does it hurt here and it never hurt here before? Why does this thing hurt? Okay? Why does this? And, and, and we find it. And then you get uh, at a certain age, you start saying, well, I'm overweight, I'm underweight, I'm too this, I'm too that. And you start driving yourself nuts with what? Trying to keep the vessel what? I mean, look at, we sell creams, we sell this, we sell that, we sell all of this stuff to what? Get rid of wrinkles. Dude, that's like saying get rid of gravity. You don't want it. Alright, I mean, think about it. We, the Bible says gray hair is a sign of wisdom. And in our infinite wisdom, we dye it another color. And then I see anything on the news like we don't have anything to worry about. Did you know that hair dye can cause cancer? Gee, many crickets. All right, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? I have a security that says when my race is run, it will be immediately at the exact second God says, come on home. And I don't need to add to it or take it away. I'm just cruising. You know, people say, well, you know, what about... Eating, you know, your high cholesterol, low cholesterol, this cholesterol, you got I mean, we got good and bad cholesterol. Who knows that? All right, my Bible says give thanks and eat. It doesn't say as long as it's HDL cholesterol. That's not what the Bible says. You know what? But we do get mastered by stuff, but that goes back to the freedom. But I have a confidence in my security. But you know what else I also have? I have victory. I have victory. I have victory over my flesh and I have victory over the adversary. In every aspect. Please get a hold of that. You need to understand that. That is a key to what we deal with. I see people today who they'll seek out all kinds of methodology to try to what? Conquer their flesh? Okay, we want a pill for things. You know, if you're an alcoholic, take this pill and you won't be an alcoholic no more. If you're this, then take this pill and you won't be this anymore. What happened to fruit of the Spirit? Because there is one fruit of the Spirit that everybody struggles with. That's that self-control one. Okay? And that's all it is. Who masters me? Who masters me? Alright? If I allow my flesh, my flesh will step right up and say, I'm driving. But if I am walking in the Spirit, I have self-control. Therefore, I have victory against the adversary. I have victory against my flesh. And your flesh is your biggest adversary. Okay? I mean, I know a lot of you want to think that the devil picked you out for something. But he didn't. You ain't that important. Okay? You think you're important and all the demons is chasing you. You ain't that important. You ain't that important. Okay? My My biggest problem is me. You know, I asked people, what were you saved from? Well, I was saved from sin and Satan and all the motheresses. And I said, no, you were saved from self. Self. I separated from God. All right? And then the last thing, the last of the sixth is that I have ministry. A constant state of service. That's what ministry is. When you ask for the who is the minister in the church, you should be able to point to everybody who's in the church. Okay? Everybody's a minister. Now listen, I want us to get a hold of this because we've been a few months now dealing with spiritual gifts, but I don't want to drop what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a church, real church, a real believers. I'm not talking about said faith, guys. How many of us run around thinking, well, I'm just not sure they're really saved. They've got orthodox theology, but they just don't act like it. I'm talking about a group of people who were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ all right? And that the world had had more influence on them than they were influencing the world. They had become more like the world. So what you had was you'd have a, a potluck. Okay? And some people wouldn't make the announcement time. And they didn't know what time the potluck would start. But all the wealthy people knew what time it would start. Because, see, they could get away from work a lot easier. And they would come in and they would eat all the really good food. And by the time that everybody else figured out what was going on, they'd come in and they'd have just leftovers left over. There was a group of people that, that would come in and think that by taking of the bread and the wine, and I know some people get in trouble with this, but you know what? The wine was wine. Okay? It was wine. It was made from grapes. It had alcohol to it. And there were people coming in and saying, well, if we're supposed to take of the wine and we're supposed to take of the bread, this is going to be a blast. Why? I'm going to just sit down with a jug of it. Okay? And there were literally people who were taking the Lord's table and they were getting hammered. They were getting hammered. Why? Because I'm free in Christ. There were people saying, I ain't going to church today because the Apostle Paul ain't teaching. I like to listen to Paul more than I do Apollos. Apollos is good. Don't get me wrong. He's saved. But I just like Paul's gift better. Well, I don't like Apollos or Paul. I'm more into Cephas's people. Those people come up from Peter. I mean, Peter, remember Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water. So you know and he's got a lot more going for him. I mean, he hung out with Jesus. Right? And anybody that he would disciple in, them there, boy, them would be the strong people. And I won't be with them. What do you see in the church today? What do you see in the church today when it comes to singles and married? Well, if I was married, all the single people say, I could be more used to Jesus. And all the married people say, Gosh, if I was single, I could be more used to Jesus. Okay? You know what that is? Grass is greener somewhere else. That's not true. If you're not being used and you're not solely committed as a single person, you'll never make it as a married person. It's impossible. And there's that one spiritual gift that nobody likes to talk about. the gift of singleness oh no I couldn't oh yeah that's what it says we've already looked at it it's a spiritual gift get your spiritual gifts list out and see if you see it in any of the manuals or any of the books that talks about the spiritual gift of singleness no it's a gift it's a divine enabling it is no different than a speaking gift it is no different than a serving gift it is no different than the gifted men of God it's no different But who wants that one? Well, I don't want that one. Okay, why? Do you really believe that if you join in marriage to another person, you can serve Jesus Christ better? You can take two people who struggle with the flesh, put them together in a group, and you can serve Jesus better? You'll never make it in church leadership. Because in church leadership, you take a whole room full of people in the flesh and try to make them serve Jesus Christ. That make you pull your hair out, or you'll take up getting drunk at the Lord's table. I, but he's what I'm trying to get at. We want this church was literally taking the theology and the understanding, the ways of men, and bring them in, into the church, and it was going to be a better church. He doesn't even begin to deal with the problems that the Corinthians had asked him about until chapter 7, the first six chapters, he's sitting there going, I can't believe you idiots. That's a paraphrase. You guys are morons. You know what I see today? In Castle Rock, Colorado, the Church of Corinth. The Church of Corinth. And you know what? When you mention that, everybody starts saying, well, they're over praying in tongues and gibber jabber junk. Okay? And nope. I see a body of peoples redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ to walk in the glory of Jesus Christ, walking in the power of man, His method and His ways. Who gets the glory? God does. Always. But why would we walk as men? Why would we walk as men? Try to take a a uh, a young people's group and tell them, The gift of celibacy, and then they need to serve because they are single with a fervor that they will not ever have because they will marry at some point. Teach that. Well, they deal with more important things. Like what? Like what? You want to keep your child from being promiscuous? Have them serve the Lord. Even when they're single. Interesting concept, don't you think? Well, I can serve better if I have a husband or if I have a wife. No, you can't. Impossible. Impossible. All right? See, that's the kind of stuff this church was struggling. The church in Corinth. And he gets to chapter 12 and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I don't want you to be unaware about this. What? Spiritual gifts. Why? Spiritual gifts today are manifested in the body of Christ here in this area the same as they were being manifested in the church in Corinth. What gift brings the most show to me? Which one? Well, you got to have a speaking gift or you're going to be what? You need to do counseling. Why? Because you can just help somebody. You know what? My Bible says that if you're a believer, you will make disciples. Period. Period. It doesn't say counsel them. It says that I will give you a counselor. Who's that? Holy Spirit. Okay? I, I've seen people who are nearing death and they're, the, the, the survivors are sitting there going, I just don't want them to be alone. Okay? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm thinking that they're not going to be alone. And if Jesus is with them, they probably don't want you around anyway. Right? See, that is that is what is happening in the church here. Is that we are looking at which one will... And you know what? We all gather here on this Sunday morning and I don't do anything to bring you know, attention to myself. Really? How are you doing in the serving gift of leadership. Okay, you know what that means, right? The word literally means tied to the wheel of the helm. You know what that means, right? If you got both hands tied to the wheel, how do you cut yourself free? You can't. So guess what? You're stuck driving the boat. And it doesn't matter who on the boat doing whatever. You're stuck. And it doesn't bring glamour and glory. Why? You're stuck to the boat. You couldn't do nothing. I'm supposed to go this way. I have this direction. This is how I'm going to get there. And it just doesn't seem like anybody's with me. But guess what? You're still tied to the boat. That's why you have this other gift. The gift of serving. We looked at this last week. What does that mean? That means that this gift of serving looks at the guy tied to the boat and says, What can we do to help that guy? And there's no fanfare. There's no, oh, boy, you know, we're going to give you a new plaque today. It's perfect church attendance for the last millennium. No. We're not going to give you a plaque that says, you know what? You have had 19 people say this, sinner's prayer. Closest one to you is 12. Amen, brother. How many people are you baptized? We're not going to do that. Why? The gift of serving says, here I am. The gift of serving, the word literally means to take a burden off of someone else and place it on your back and you carry it well I don't sound like any fun now note the cute phrase there burden burden I'm going to take a heavy weight that you're struggling with and I'm going to carry it for you that's the gift of serving why? you got the guy tied to the boat he knows where he needs to go He knows what it's going to take to get there. Are you willing to take that guy and give him relief? Let him stay the course, stay the direction, and I will bear what is necessary to get us there. Think about the shipwreck that Paul was in. The guy was tied to the helm, and they were in a storm. I'm tied to the steering wheel. I know where I need to go, I know I need to get there. Okay? Who's going to set the sails? Who's going to trim the sails? Who was it was kicking the cargo off the boat so that they were set higher in the water? You don't want the guy at the steering wheel to say, hey, I'll go get that. Don't mind. Because the wheel goes, and you, you make national news. Right? You have the guys who have the gift of serving. And they said, you know what? Here's the path. Here's the track. He's on it. We've watched God work through him. What do we need to do? Okay? The gift of serving says here's what we're about. Okay? Here's what's missing. And I'm going to move into the next one I want to deal with comes out of Romans twelve eight. He who gives with liberality. And that's the only time that this is even mentioned in Holy Writ. So I I, I want to come to that. But you need to understand first and foremost, I give you six things that the Holy Spirit is doing when you walk. All right? This isn't your talents. This isn't your abilities. All right? It's a supernatural enabling that only unites. It can only unite. It will never divide. When I see a person exercising a gift for the sake of division, all right, then I know that it's not God working. So we have these gifts, but I want you to think about this, and because this is the one that we struggle with. How devoted to the body of Christ am I? Okay, no, 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 please, I, I want you to be specific here. I'm not talking about your husband, I'm not talking about your wife, I'm not talking about your children. How devoted to the body of Christ? Look at verse 10. Verse 10. Okay. He says this, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. The reason that you do not see the leadership gifts being exercised, the reason you do not see the giving gift being exercised, the reason you do not see the serving gift being exercised is because of verse 10, or I should say a lack of verse 10. Okay. How does chapter 12 start out? I beg you, by the mercies of God, I beseech you. We all like that one, don't we? Present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pure. This is your act of worship. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. And we're all walking around being transformed. Sacrifice. Okay? Then we just drop it. We don't go any farther than that. Because the word there, devoted to one another in brotherly love. Brotherly love. Philadelphia. Okay, phileo. You know what that is, right? That's the love that you see in a family between the siblings after they get old enough and quit trying to kill each other. Okay, It's the love that you see between a, a father and a mother. You see that love between the mother and, and the children? That's the love that he's talking about. He's talking about you're related. I, 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 seen a, I, I had a group that I... Had it yesterday down at Ponderosa. It was a uh, family reunion. I remember I used to hate family reunions because everybody come up and pinch you and said, I remember you easy. You gotta, and just drive you nuts. But this was a family reunion, and everybody was happy with each other. And there were some from Alabama, and there were some from New Mexico, and California, and Colorado, and all the rest of it. And they were just thrilled to death to be with each other. And I thought, oh, you guys know, are weird. <laughs> okay? But I watched that, and it's, it's that unmitigated love that you see between... You've heard the statement, blood is thicker than water. Okay, The body of Christ should exemplify that. The body of Christ should be the category that that falls into. There should be a greater love for the saints of God than lost relatives. Can you say that? Yeah, I can. Why? Because I have a supernatural enabling in verse 4. We are many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function. Where did that come from? Come from God. The people that are saved that God brings into your life should have a greater impact and you should have a greater devotion to them than you do for your actual blood relatives. Okay, now if your blood relatives happens to be saved, that's cool. But here's what he's saying: be devoted to one another in brotherly love, and then he gives this amazing statement: give preference to one another in honor. In honor. That's an amazing. You know what that means, right? The other person is more important. They have the honor. They have the honor. That's hard, that's hard for us to understand, isn't it? So then he goes through rejoicing in hope. Oh, wait. Not lagging behind in diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, continuing to meet the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Okay? And I mean, he, he lists it out. I mean, he just takes off from right there and goes through 14 and just absolutely will condemn anybody. I mean, you'll just sit there and go, man, I just, that's hard to believe. Why? Because when I see these gifts, whether it's the gift of leadership, whether I see the gift of serving, or the one that we'll look at now, the gift of giving, or it's the speaking gifts, how many people do you see, uh, I have the gift of evangelism, I have four suits, five sermons, and a Greyhound bus? Okay? But it says that the gift of evangelism is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So who are you plugged in with? Well, my Greyhound bus. How are they strengthening the body of Christ? If the evangelist is not in a church, then he's in direct disobedience to the word of God. Why? how will the saints learn to evangelize if the evangelist is out driving around in a bus or whatever he does the Bible says that the evangelist was given to the body of Christ for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry what do most evangelists do today they're not accountable to a church alright let me show you something let's get into this next gift he who gives with liberality. Okay, like I said, it's the only place mentioned in Scripture. There are different gifts according to the grace that has been given. We all agree with that. We've all seen that. The Bible's very specific about it. <clears throat> but he says that there is a gift that gives liberally. Okay, this word here is a compound Greek word. Didomai is the word to give, gifts, to, to, to give, giving. Didomai. Okay. This word is a compound word of Didemai. It's Meta Didemai. Meta Didemai. Okay. Didamai means to give. Meta is mega. You give a bunch. Alright? It's 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 the gift of super giving. Okay, listen. If you're saved today, you're called to give. Period. Okay, I mean, me the crickets, that's not rocket scientist. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a Greek scholar. If you reap sparingly, you will, or if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow plentiful, you're going to be reap bountiful. Um, We are to lay the first fruits. Right? You know what that is, right? That's before taxes. (laughs) All right. so, So there are some who give even beyond that. Who give beyond that? Um, they give normally, but they give beyond normal. They give more, all right, because they have a supernatural gift to, to give that way. Here's why I want you to look at the word there: liberally. Okay, it has a connotation to it that says it's sacrificial. Most of us in this day and age, if we give, it's kind of on a sacrificial side. Okay. But the root of this word is um, basically simplicity, simply. Give simply. Well, I don't make sense. How do, well, how do you get liberally out of simply? It has a mindset that says there's meta-giving one single motive. Okay? Get that? I'm going to give a whole bunch because I'm supernaturally empowered I'm going to give a bunch but I'm giving with one single motive well, what the heck does that mean well it took me forever to figure it out okay <clears throat> metadidami um, says there's a need and I give okay here's the need give Just that easy, right? Well, every time you make, you know, you said you was going to keep giving for Pam for the month of July and all the rest of it, and I'll keep giving. No, 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 no. One motive. I guarantee you that most of the people in this room today, when they give, it's two motives. Two motives. Okay? I see the need. I'll meet the need. You know, we're doing this thing in Russia. We're helping in Belarus. I see that need. Yes, that's great. I mean, we had to, that. We gave money for the summer camps. Yeah, that's that need. But we also have this motive over here that says, "I need to make sure there's enough left for me." Okay, two motives. Well, you know, I'm supposed to take care of my. You missed it. You completely missed it. Again, I told you what it was like to walk in the Spirit, right? Where's that joy going to come from? Look at the lilies of the field. Are they not dressed in more splendor than Solomon? We all would say, amen, brother. Right? Aren't you more important? Amen, brother. Right? Can you give? Oh, amen, brother. But I have to pay the electricity and the phone and the cell phone and the cable TV and the digital this and the digital that and this car payment, this insurance, da 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 da, and all the rest of it. What'd you just do? I believe that Jesus will take care of my needs, but I'm supposed to work in. What'd you just do? You have a second motive. Those who have this gift do not have a second motive. They see the need, they meet the need. Here's my bills. How much can I give to the Lord? Okay. why don't you do this here's my Lord I'll live within this means gets a little weirder doesn't it gets a little weirder the gift of giving is a gift that enables someone to give with one single motive period they have a need They see the need and they give to the need. Nothing else enters into their mind. There's nothing else in the picture. Here's the need, poof, I'll take care of the need. No problem. It's a singleness of mind. It's a singleness of heart. Remember what we're coming out of in our text. This context says, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pure. This is your act of spiritual worship. The gift of giving is to be done with the singleness of mind with no consideration of self at all. That's the gift of giving. It's undivided motive. You know what that is, right? There's no pride in it. There's no pride in it. The need, you give. And you know what? It's not public. Dad, gone. it's not public. No one can see you doing it. The giving with attention, the giving with public display, that's not a gift. That's hypocrisy. It's not related to how much you have. It's not... uh, Listen, I have seen some who don't have very much at all and have this gift. I have seen some who have a lot and don't have this gift. Okay, in just my few years... All right? It's not just dropping money into a plate. Okay? We all should invest in the things of God. All of us should. I don't care what your age is or whatever. It should be. But it's a desire to, to give when a need arises. Here's a need. Now listen, you've got to keep in context that you're devoted to one another in brotherly love. You can't run around saying, I'm waiting for someone to have a need, but I've only been in church one out of five Sundays. You'll never know the need. If I am devoted to one another in brotherly love, and I understand to consider other more important and to honor them, I'm going to be involved with them, and if I'm involved with them, I'm going to see the need possibly before they even see the need. And I'm going to meet that need. See the difference? See why this gift isn't exercised? Let me give you some illustrations. You don't have to go look at these. I'll just give you the story behind it. You can go check it up. In John's Gospel, chapter 12... All right? Remember the lady, she comes up and she breaks takes a pound of spikenard. Good stuff. Right? And she does what? Rubs it on his feet. All right? And that 1 pound of spikenard was worth 300 denarii. Okay? So what's a denarii? 1 denarii one day's work. Okay? So, use your equivalent today. I don't, some of you make more than a denarii. But if you took the equivalent. So, basically, this lady takes 300 days of work and puts it on Jesus' feet. And of course, we all get mad at Judas Iscariot, don't we? He wants to give it to the poor. You know what? We're all guilty of that. Would you take one year's wage and give it to Jesus Christ? No, we have important things. We need to give to the I'm the poor. Right? But that's what Mary did. And everybody freaked out, right? What was the gift? I mean, I can go through all the theological understanding for it. You know, he wasn't going to get his body uh, embalmed because that's Jewish custom. They weren't going to do that. And they put it on his act of worship, and it was this. And she got her name written down in holy writ, which heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never. And so we can all sit and look at it and go, wow, 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 wow. But let's be realistic of it. How many of us in this room right now would say, I'll give one year's? Because 300 days is what the Jewish calendar was. I'll give one year's wages to the worship of my King and my Savior. Okay? Put it on His feet. Put it on His feet. I'll give you another illustration. We all know uh, Acts 5, right? Wonderful people. Ananias and Sapphira. Right? Remember them? They had some property and they wanted to give it to the church. They wanted to sell it and give it to the church. And they decided... You know, they had the money and the church wasn't going to start for another couple of days and so they were just hanging out. and Why don't we just hang on some and we can take a little vacation. We can maybe start a church in Barbados or somewhere. Or or do one of them, you know, Christian cruises where we can hang out under the teaching of some good people. All right? And they decided to hold it back and the question that was put to them was not why, but is this the amount that you sold the land for? All they had to say was, no. You know, the stock market in Jerusalem is just <clears throat> hit the toilet. I'm not sure I can make it here. I don't want to be a burden to the church, so I'm holding back some. No problem. But they said, no, that's what I give. What did God do? Kill him. Okay? And everybody looks at that and they well, have you ever read the end of chapter 4? The end of chapter 4 talks about a man whose name means son of encouragement. Barnabas. Do you know what Barnabas did? He had had a track of land and he sold it and he gave it to the church. You know what's different about Barnabas doing it in Ananias and Sapphira? Barnabas had no bounds or no thoughts on the absence of the possession. He gave it, and that was it. It wasn't, you know, well, I could have built a retirement home here, or, we, hey, if I give them this land instead of selling this land, they could build a new church on it. He said, I'm selling it. I've given all the money to the church. That's the gift. I don't, I'm single-minded. Boom, just single-minded. It isn't a matter, well, but what if I did this or what if I did that? No, that's what Ananias and Sapphira did. See, the early church held everything in common. Why? The early church was extraordinarily poor. Rich people were not interested in the things of God. Does that sound familiar? Look at your society right now. I hear people saying, we need to pray for revival. Are you sure you want revival? Because every time I see revival, God has to crush to say, what do I need to be revived from? When someone had a need in the early church or a person's, you know, something came up, a person or persons would sell their belongings and get the money to meet the need. Second Corinthians 8 is one of my favorite texts. Second Corinthians is what I call the the book of ministry if you want to be in the ministry uh, read 2nd Corinthians 8 now he's writing to Corinthians, Paul's been back there a couple times, things haven't gone as well as he'd like, he says, now brethren we wish to make known to you the grace of God which is given in the churches of Macedonia okay Corinthians is Achaia, that's the southern part of the Greek peninsula, Macedonia is the northern part and they don't like each other alright that in the great ordeal of affliction, look what he says next, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their what? Liberality. You know what that word is? Single-mindedness. Their single-mindedness. They weren't worried about being dirt poor. They were worried about things of God. And I would give according to that. Their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. I testify according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. That's that gift. That's that gift. You see it, uh, Philippians 4, you can go look it up yourself. Paul tells the Philippians, you gave too much. Stop. I stop. There's too much. Now think about that today in the church. Could you give too much? That's a bizarre thought. You know what, right now, the church in America right now has the ability to touch every single soul on the planet with wealth. But the church in America is not single-minded. The church in America is not single-minded. Let me give you one illustration that, and I'll close with this one. Those of you who know that <clears throat> I've been out to Grace Community Church a number of different times. <clears throat> Grace has a group of people now, I understand Grace Community Church has, is large. They so have a lot of people, okay, I know, like 16,000 members or something like that. They had a group of people in the church who realized that they had this gift, the gift of giving. See the need, boom, meet the need, whatever it took. And it, some of them were wealthy and some of them were not. You've got to understand, this gift is not based on how much you have. All right? And they decided to get all the people with this gift together And they called themselves salt shakers, salt shakers, Grace Community Salt Shakers. And there's just a bunch of people in that church who had this gift, the gift of giving. They plugged into the deacons and to find out the needs in, the, in the, the table waiting ministry that the deacons have. They found out who made the, de, the, 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 the who had needs, uh, maybe a single mother or a family, a young family struggling. You know, cars, transmission went out, and, you know, just stuff that happens to every one of them. And they would send these people checks, hundreds of people a month, checks, anything from seventy-five to five hundred dollars, and it was made out of an account called salt shakers okay you don't know who they are have no idea who they are John says I don't know I I don't even know who they are but he says you know what there was a time he had two kids that were sick and in the hospital at the same time and then all the rest of it." he says I got four checks from the salt shakers why they have a gift their return on that gift was simple. They wanted to minister their gift to those who had a need. Who had a need. And this group has been only doing this now for almost 30 years. Okay, if you go look at their church budget, you'll see all kinds of bizarre stuff on their budget. You will not see salt shakers. They get no fanfare. They get no accolades. Um, I only know it because of personal relationship with John and a couple of the deacons and elders of that church. This gift is exercised so not anyone knows about it. See, I, I wrote this down. It came back to my mind because I remember one of their elders saying, he says, they're a gracious bunch of people. And he says, "I don't even know how many there are. I mean, that make up the salt shakers." He says, "But they do regard heaven as the safest bank." And I said, "Yeah, cool. It's amazing gifts. I want you to understand something. There is an amazing, a tremendous joy." And exercising your gift. Okay? I don't care whether the gift is leadership. I don't care if it's serving. I don't care if it's giving. I don't care if it's mercy. But I will tell you this. Unless you walk in constant sanctification unless you walk in constant satisfaction, unless you walk in constant sense of freedom, unless you walk in a confidence of security, unless you walk in a constant strength against your enemy, unless you walk in a constant state of service, you can never know your gift. And you will miss the blessing. You will miss the blessing. You will miss watching God literally work through an old clay pot to his exaltation, to his glory. And he's given every one of you in this room the privilege to be a part of that. Let's pray. Father, I just give you the praise for your word, for, Father, the the tremendous things that you do around us. Lord... uh, Thank you. Thank you for the gifts. Father, you saved us. And then you empower us. Lord, I, I can't grab that. I don't. Thank you, Father. Just thank you so much. Father, may we, may we decrease. May you increase. May what is seen in us not be us. May it be your glory. Father, overwhelm us that we would be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Father, overwhelm us that we would consider honor due to each and every other person. Father, overwhelm us with your word, with your presence. Father, overwhelm us with the indwelling of your spirit, with the privilege of being in church. And yet, Father, the privilege of serving the saints of the Most High God. Lord, I just praise you for this time. Lord, let us press on to your glory and praise. Amen.